So, Mr. Henry, how you been, man? I'm doing good, man. How you like? How you guys been doing? Oh, we're rocking. Mike and I were just going off on uh, leadership yep. qualities and all that kind of stuff, and we, we we're just get kind some, of chatting. We got some interesting news today that uh, our, the gym is opening. So, uh, what do you what have you been up to actually the last couple of months? I mean, we were trying to do a podcast previously. Um, I had a I had a flood in my kitchen. What that that one evening that you and Aaron tried to record something, and then. Like mm-hmm. it was just all, all hell broke loose. There was like a bee in your house and there was a bumping or something. I don't know what was going on. You're recording at a rave or no, like you know a what club it was? or something. You, you know what it was? I just got out the shower and I was hot and I turned on the fan. I didn't think the fan was going to make that much noise. Mm. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Like I just caught the shower and I'm like, man, I'm sweating. Man. I need a fan on me. So that was, that's what it was. I got you. Okay. So that makes more sense. All right. Yeah. So, Mr. Henry, so like, um, especially now that you've kind of been, been able to kind of move around a little bit more, weather's a lot nicer, all that jazz. Have you been staying active? You've been getting out? What's going on? Yeah, I've been doing my training out in the park. You've been getting out. Some of my neighbors in, the, in, in my neighborhood, we train them in the backyard. But I've been keeping in shape. Yes. How many push ups a day have you been doing presently? Uh, a thousand. Thousand only, just a thousand. For those who don't know, like if you're at the the gym that we do not speak of, and you see Otis training somebody, like in between sets, he's just like on his knuckles, just going like banging out yeah, fifty at a time. <laughs> that's that's where the kids them call me Mister Push Ups, right? <laughs> yes. So when you, um, especially like Otis, because I, I I know we're kind of like talking again, but like what's uh like when you look at like martial arts especially now how important do you think it is especially like for people to find something to gravitate to especially in, after kind of coming out of a covid situation whether it being in martial arts or fitness how important do you think that is well, i think it's extremely important because a lot of people have been locked up um not everybody's underneath the same circumstance right some people are happy some people are kind of frustrated so um from a, from a mental standpoint, it's a mental stress reliever. Um, from a physical standpoint, especially if you're living with someone you don't really like, you can get the <laughs> you can get your frustrations out, right? But um, definitely, especially um, you know, they made I think they made a mistake when they said social distancing. I don't I think it should be physical distancing, not social, because yeah, we need to get I, back I, together. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think they've kind of changed the, the moniker on it, but like, yeah, physical distancing's better. Like, you know, it's I'm a, not gonna, a, yeah, because ma- I'm not gonna be making out with like strangers and everything, but like, you know, hey, yes. we're outside, we're hitting pads. Yeah. Just keeping it keeping yeah. everything clean. I like I don't okay, like I I don't I don't see an issue with that personally, but like no. a lot of simulation moves and yeah, a lot of simulation moves and um separation, man, but it can be done. Easy work, easy yeah, work. Like, how do you how do you modify like because we we've had some guests on like we've talked to a lot of like Muay Thai instructors and everything like how do you modify you know Taekwondo how do you modify Muay Thai for like this situation like because there's when it comes to martial arts and you want to spar like in Jiu Jitsu like me and Aaron are going to spar like you can't mm-hmm. re- it, you can't yeah. really do that you can't physical distance and spar <laughs> yeah. yeah um. My suggestion would be, um, depending on how many bags the studio has, you know, but every other bag um, with a taped off section around so that everybody has their own individual space around the bag. Um, every other bag, a lot of um, follow the leader, simulation type training, conditioning training. Um, I'm a little bit different than you guys because you guys are a little bit more up close and personal, right? Yeah. So I'm figuring that we can still do pad work. For me, before we get into any anything physical, but I think we can still do some bad work. Yeah. Hey, uh, one 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 sec, Otis. Hey, Aaron, pay attention. Sorry, sorry, I, I'm just. <laughs> don't mind me. What the fuck you doing? I'm, <laughs> I'm got a guest on. Have, you got a guest on, and you're just sitting there like. No, I'm I'm doing two things at once, fuckers. Asshole. Okay, I'm busy. This I'm is, doing uh, production people, stuff, is, and I'm listening. People, this is exactly how it is at work. Okay. <laughs> Is it is how it is? Like Otis is like spilling his heart. He's like, 
yeah, man, I want to do, I want to do this with my training. I want to do that. Aaron's just like on the computer, like, yep. Yep. What's, what's, okay. what's your, what's your revenue this month? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Quarter, you, me quarter. you guys keep talking. I'm just making sure I got the uh, Bruckman's interview all things because I have to delete and make space. Okay. So I'm sorry for trying to be productive. I'm sorry. You're trying keep to be talking. Productive. You couldn't have done that earlier. I was fucking busy. Okay. Fuck off. <laughs> busy with what? <laughs> oh, not don't, get me, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Keep talking. You still in work mode? <laughs> All right. Well, is it, what I'm, I, I think like, I think like jujitsu wise, we've talked with a lot of people as well. We're discussing like, okay, now how do you train? Like, cause you kind of lose like a lot of the authenticity, like mark of that, of the martial art, for example, it's like you, you Muay Thai, like there's a certain like way of training that makes it Muay Thai. There's yes. a, a certain way of training that training jujitsu that makes it jujitsu. And like, based on what's happening, a lot of that's being taken away. So yes. there's only, there's only so much to, I guess there's like, there's only so much that we can do as you know, Aaron's, you know, typing away. Well, you know what? Monitor there. I say, I say 90, 80, 70% is better than no percent at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's a lot. I'm thinking like most of the people like, you know, that want to train a martial art, they just want to blow off steam. They want to get a good workout in just like anything else. Like you, you even said like you, you have a lot of classes at, uh, that you've taught over the years. Like how long, like how long have you done? Like, give me like your background, just for everybody listening to this, like how long have you done? Don't worry. We got all night. Like how long, how long you done more? Like, you know, Muay Thai, Taekwondo, like you have a very extensive striking background, I think to say the least. Yeah. Um, man, I've been doing this now about 33, 34 years. Um, first started off with, um, five animals of Shaolin Kung Fu at Shaolin Temple and then Energy Lake. Um, Graduated, well, I didn't graduate, but I left there to um to start kickboxing, American style kickboxing, which is from the waist to the head up. Um, they don't, they don't, they don't touch the legs. <laughs> no, no touching to the legs. Yeah, American yeah. style. Um, ventured over to Siam Number One, down at Bathurst in Saint Clair, original school, man. Um, Shout out to uh, H on Shoe Chart. Yes, Master oh, the OG, I think, in probably. I, yes. don't even think in, uh, I don't even think in Ontario, maybe even in Canada as well. He may be the Listen, first. He's the, he's the first man to bring Muay Thai to, um, to Ontario, and he's not the, the ambassador from Thailand um, to Canada, actually, right? Um, from there, um, I ventured into WTF Taekwondo. What the fuck, Taekwondo? <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're going. That's the world. That's the world uh, Taekwondo Federation. There's a lot of different federations. I think of Taekwondo as well. Probably just like, yes. just like uh, I think a lot of things like politics. I think get in the way. Otis, are there politics in Taekwondo? Pardon me. Are there, are there politics? politics? Are there oh politics? man, are there politics in Taekwondo? You got ITF, which is North Korea, versus. WTF, which is South Korea, um, you can always tell a fighter by, the, by their front. So because they're North Korea, they attack with their front leg. So they're basically a front leg kicker. And because we're South Korea, we attack with the back leg. So North foot versus Southern foot, like a Kung Fu movie. Um, and what, what's the ITF difference for like guys, the, uh, the, sorry, yeah. the, the striking aficionado? So if I'm attacking with the front leg, are they just throwing like, like a lead? Like push. Yeah, there. yeah, they're yeah, they're mostly lead lead leg lead leg attacks um, with jumping back fists, but um, they fight in um point. So like you make a point and you stop. WTF is continuous. It's two rounds knockout, right? Um, there's Round also certain techniques. In the head, they're done. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's also certain techniques like um like sidekick. You won't catch a WTF man, or at least the original style WTF man doing a sidekick because. North Korea does sidekicks. It's like a lot of politics, a lot of crap. We don't go to the same tournaments. And um, actually now, because of politics, once again, like you got the Olympics, you got World Games, you got Pan Am Games. Um, the world only recognizes WTF Taekwondo now that it's, it's in the Olympics. So a lot of um, old type instructors, they don't, want to, um, they don't want to learn any patterns. They don't want to learn any new style because they're stuck in their ways. And ITF is almost obsolete right now. 
I would say Taekwondo on a whole as well, but WTF is still in the Olympics. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What, once you make the Olympics, like that's the style of, you know, if it's Taekwondo, yes. if it's Judo, if it's what, whatever, like if that organization's recognized, that's usually what everybody else will usually That's have. what everybody recognizes. That's, that's correct. That's correct. Muay Thai now, um, our next Olympics, Muay Thai is being um, um, introduced as an um, exhibition. Oh, nice. And then the following Olympics, this will be a full-out um, official um, martial art in the Olympics, of an official Olympic art. So I'm guessing it'll be like weight classes. There'll be like 17 gold medals yes. for Thailand. <laughs> be yeah, like the, ca- the cab driver who has like 600 pro fights at like 14. Yeah. Who's... <laughs> it's, um, it's been, it's been a, a long road for Muay Thai, um, especially <laughs> coming, coming to the Western Hemisphere. It... Um, it went through a lot of brutalization as, as terms of like the other martial arts ganging up on Muay Thai and not respecting it as a, an official martial art because there was no set patterns, there was no real belt. And it took a while for Muay Thai to um, basically destroy the other arts and put them in their place. And now, as you can see, there's MMA. And all you really have is Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai, basically as the two base styles if you want to fight. So it's something that's tried, tested, and proven. But... um. I like mixing my Taekwondo with my Muay Thai. Because everybody has a little bit of, um, every style lacks something. I think, I think it's so important what you said, because like striking martial arts, like boxing, yeah. you're limited to your hands. Now, if you, yes. let's say you studied, I think American kickboxing, that was kicks waist up. And then you, you would see those guys go against like Muay Thai fighters. It was, this, it was yeah. and then you know what else was worse about that? Like back in the eighties, when you fight like that, you would have to throw, um, what was it? You'd have to throw eight punches, eight connecting punches before you're allowed to throw um, kicking techniques. So that means if you throw only six punches this round, in the next round, you got to make sure and, and double up and punch 10 times before you're allowed to kick, which was crap because when you got a one-two lined up and you, got your, and you got your swing kick ready, you can't do it in American style. So it was crap. And it was from the waist up, so it was more like, um, kind of like PK1. Um, American style kickboxing, which is a wannabe Muay Thai, really and truly. Did you ever watch like K1 kickboxing back in the oh, day? Oh man, yes, man. PK1 Pride. I'm old school, man. I watched that stuff from uh, magazine days from when it was <laughs> underground before it was televised. <laughs> All right, so best best K1 fight you ever saw? Oh man, I would say Vandalay Silva and um, Krokop. Number one and two. Ooh, one and that two? Was, that was a war. Yeah, no. Vandalay had this, like, death stare that would, like, <laughs> scare the crap out of him. Kill him. I think – Sorry, go Crow ahead. Crop, yeah, Crowcrop was, like, the only one who have ever seen stare down Vandalay, and it just – they both looked yes. like two mean motherfuckers. And it was Remember, like, oh, my goodness. Like, these like someone's going to die. Remember <laughs> what Crocop said, right? Crocop said, right leg, hospital. Left leg, cemetery. <laughs> yeah, no, Crocop back in the day was so good. But it was like, but it was like when he came to um, UFC, like people had just figured him out. Right. And they just, because I guess the ground, and then you look at the cage and all this kind of stuff. And it was like, you know, the, the best days of Crow Cop were just kind of like gone. And he's, so also he getting, he's also getting older as well. So, yeah, like, exactly. Right. So, like, you, you didn't get that full experience. But, like, if you see like Crow Crop in like Pride, oh my goodness gracious. Yes. Like, him and like the mid 2000s. Yeah, mid 2000s. Like, him, him, him and Fedor. I'll, I'll say this. Oh my God. Our best fight ever of two guys just going at it. And I'll say this too. Um, UFC guys have went over to Pride, but they've never won. But almost all Pride guys have won a belt in PUFC. What do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Is it just because the styles make matches, or is it just the ring? Or I don't know. What's your opinion on that? Ring um, age. Because it's, it's different as well, especially for striking, too. Like, if you have a ring, you can corner somebody. In an octagon that's a lot bigger, you have a lot more mm-hmm. area to, to move around. around. To move around. Plus, Pride was remember there was head stumps. It was a lot more um violent. Yeah, so it was just a lot more different, different strikes. Yeah, and you couldn't elbow. Yes, you come to something a little bit more contained, right? Yeah, yeah. 
No, I remember um, one of the the one the, one of the biggest fights that was um, Fedor versus uh, what's his uh, the hammer? No, not Mark, not Mark, Mark Coleman. Coleman. No, not him. It was, was uh, Alamanquio versus um, oh, Fedor versus when he got spiked on his head. Kevin uh, Randleman. Kevin Randleman. That's what it was. When he got that, it was oh, that man. fight where Randleman just picks him up suplexes him, yes. drops him on his head, and then Fedor yeah. just rolls over and grabs a Kimura. Like, oh, my goodness yeah. gracious. Like, yes. unbelievable. Randleman was a monster. But he was, um, he was limited in his, in his, in his, in his, in his um, grappling. Yeah. Great wrestler, though. Oh, fantastic. Wrestler. Fantastic wrestler. Strong great as wrestler, hell. Yes. Yes. What do you think made Pride so great? Was it the performance-enhancing drugs, or was it the <laughs> everybody goes on? Or what? like, come on, let's let's be real. Like, I remember there was a there was a story I think Joe Rogan was telling. Um, I forget who it was. It was uh, it was one of the fighters who was training at Tenth Planet, and they're asking like, "Hey, like, what's your weight class?" He's like, "Yeah, I usually fight like one fifty-five. They're like, "No." You go 185, you go up to 205, you fight, you, you go on steroid. And he's like, what? <laughs> so actually telling that, that it was story. supposedly ran by the mafia, right? Oh yeah. There was, uh, there was like a big thing with like, there was, there was ties to like the Yakuza. <laughs> yes, yes. They're like probably betting on fights. They're probably like paying off people. But um, probably did with more, um, more world, world-class Athletes, like if you look at UFC, the first they say the first five UFCs, and they were crap. But yeah. still, you know, I disrespect them because my friend Harold Howard <laughs> fought in like UFC number three and did not too bad. But um, Pride, if you look at the early Pride, you see that it was more world class athletes. Was Harold Howard the guy who was fighting Joe Sun and he punched him in the balls like 67 yes, times in a row? And he did the front roll? He did the front roll? Yeah, he, the he front roll kick. Shout out to Harold Howard if you're ever listening. Yes. Harold Howard, Howard from Niagara Falls, boy. You are a legend. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was just a constant, just a bam. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I would have tapped after like the second one and be like, "Yeah, you know what? This isn't worth it. I'm good." <laughs> and like, like you're not wearing a cup. You're just like, imagine just getting your balls way. used as like a speed bag. Like, that's that's not gonna, it's not gonna be a good time. There's actually one one match. Sorry, there, sorry. Yeah. No, I just don't even want to think about what that feels like. <laughs> There's there actually one match that we were because we we're talking about um, American style um, kickboxing versus Muay Thai. I think it was Rick Rufus versus oh, legendary uh, fight. Rick Rufus and he fa- he faced a Thai guy in Vegas, and it was he like Muay on, Thai rules. And like um, Rick Rufus became like you know like an all an all time great as well. But like he got eaten alive because he never. The big thing was like leg kicks. Like he got leg kicked like yes. over and over and just killed his mobility. He had to, I think he had to get like, like stretchered out. Like he got yeah. messed up from yes. that because he probably it's never like, experienced anything like that before. Yeah. There, there were like um, five major fights. Benny Urquidez was another one. Um, and they don't realize that, he, that those Thai guys that they were fighting, they're old retired fighters. And they're limited. They can't clinch. They can't elbow. They can't, there's a lot of stuff that they limited them to. And people saw what Muay Thai is, man, even though it was just strict leg kicks. But that fight turned around Rick Rufus and his brother, um, Duke Rufus. Yeah. They, they became legendary in Muay Thai after that, that incident. Yeah. And now they're training a lot of uh, UFC fighters to, uh, to this day. Is now. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Um, Pettis. Pettis is trained by um, um, Duke Rufus. Yeah. Yeah, it was his last fight. I don't think I don't believe he won his last fight. Who did he fight? Cerrone? I think Cerrone Pettis? beat him. Yeah. Pettis? Pettis, Pettis and Cerrone. I thought that fight was all um Cerrone rather than Pettis, but Pettis got the decision. Yes, yes, I remember now. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Wait, I don't know. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you. What's your favorite uh martial arts movie? That's a better question. Like, is it an American kickboxer? Oh, man. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite martial arts movie, and why is it Bloodsport? 
<laughs> Why is the blood sport? Okay, I'm gonna tell you my favorite. It, well, that's the best movie ever. That's the best movie ever, of all time. That's a goat. Blood, blood sport not, can be used go. in every situation of life. I just yeah. you don't understand. Blood even, sport can be used in everything. Great movie, even though it, it was, it's based on Frank Dukes, who's been he's had a very um, I think his his credentials are Getchy. very sketchy. The same. <laughs> we'll just say sketchy uh, or fraudulent. You can you can say yes, that. Yes. Sue me. I don't care. But yes. like, I great movie, but mm, credentials. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like this. Um, I like anything by, by by the Shaw brothers. Run Run Shaw. So you got Kid with the Golden Arm. You got Super Ninjas. You got well. You got the you got the number one. Five Deadly Venoms, but um, you got Thirty Six Chambers. Yep, man, it like anything by the Shaw Brothers. Anything by the Shaw Brothers. You mean to tell me you don't have a single movie in there without eh? Jean Claude Van Damme? All of them without Jean Claude Van Damme. He's going like <laughs> class, he's going classic kung fu. Here. I know he's going classic kung fu. Yes, classic yes. kung fu. In Jamaica, we call them kickers. Kickers. Mm-hmm. Kickers. <laughs> But I mean, like a John Claude Van Damme movie, you're gonna get the spin kick three times in every scene, so it makes it seem like you got kicked three times. The Shaw Brothers don't do that. Yeah, no, I know. Flying trees <laughs> disappear, and everything. You know what I'm saying? No, the original Matrix. Shaw Brothers, <laughs> you got to respect that, though. <laughs> no, yeah, no, Shaw I Brothers agree. is off the chain, man. I haven't meant to watch. Uh, I've been catching up on Ip Man. Um, uh, there's now Ip Man Four out officially. Yeah, you haven't finished you. that yet. You gotta get on that shit. I know that's that's the that's the next one I need to get on. I've watched Ip, Ip Man's great. Apparently, what I read, he was in um, what was the what was it was Star Wars Rogue One. So the guy who plays Ip Man was in Star Wars Rogue One, and he was yeah, doing Donnie Donnie Yen. Donnie yeah, Donnie Yen. Yen. He was doing like all this march. Apparently, like. He was like knocking out stormtroopers, like for real, like knocking out stormtroopers, like left and right, and extras, and just just beating the living piss out of all of them in like any fight scene, like just not holding back at all. I remember I was actually like, like I, I was like really tired. I think Evan was just born. I was watching Star Wars Rogue One, and then I fell asleep during it. And then, like, I kind of woke up, and then I'm watching Ip Man beat up a bunch of stormtroopers. I'm like, what the fuck movie am I watching? <laughs> I'm just like, am I watching Ip Man or Star Because I just see Donnie Yen just beating, like, stormtroopers staff. I'm like, is this a crossover? Is this, like, a movie that, like, am I watching a different movie? Did, like, somebody put on a different, like, I'm very confused. Like, what's going on? <laughs> No, but like Don, Donnie Yen is legit because yes. so if you ever watch Ip Man, Ip Man 1, where basically that the, the best scene in that entire movie is the fight with the 10 black belts, right? So he fights the 10 black belts, which is just an amazing scene of, of Jitido or um, what the fuck is it called? Oh my goodness. I mean, Kundo? Wing Chun? Yeah, Wing Chun, Wing Chun basically. Chun? Yeah. It's just a, an amazing display. And then you go to like remember when everybody was doing that bottle cap challenge remember where yeah. it was like you, you, know, you kick the kick the thing off or whatever you spin it on top so he did it where he mm-hmm. blindfolded himself and then he kicked it off yeah, I saw that. like like that that's legit i'm sorry like that's, that's like another really level legit. of badassery that you can you know he he's he's absolutely legit that, donnie yen yeah. Hundred percent. All the Ip Mans are really good. We should make a list of people that can kick Aaron's ass. I think we could put Donnie Yen on that list. <laughs> I would say so. I would say so. We'll have a segment called "Can This Guy Kick Guy or Girl Kick Aaron's Ass?" Right, we might as well just make that a huge list. I know it's a big one. I haven't I haven't trained in like almost five months, so I think anybody can kick my ass right now. Uh oh. I remember. I remember one day. I remember one day. Aaron came came to work, and he looked like Wolverine. He had all, all these scratches all over his face, and I'm like, oh, "What happened to you?" He's like, "Oh man, I went to training like after five six months. I haven't been there." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what got, happens, man. Got mauled by a cat. Meow. <laughs> no, I remember. But I, like, Otis, were you were you at Lifetime when we did the the fight at the? Um, on the uh, the deck, 
No, are I you there came yet? after that. Uh, oh, for good. people listening to this, I think Aaron, are you officially one and zero in MMA? I am. I'm officially one and zero. You have like an, is it like an official amateur record that like we can pull up or? Uh, I don't think so because okay. it was just a. Uh, it was a it was, smoker. It wasn't, it was wasn't a smoker. sanctioned. It was a smoker. It, okay, it was a smoker then. Okay. Yeah, like, that's my that was my amateur experience your your goldberg like undefeated streak in mma <laughs> done buddy nothing nothing left you're retiring on top but yes let's uh let's go let's uh is that did he fight did you fight tyler aaron no i fought daniel kim uh tyler fought david crosscheck oh, okay. and then richard fam oh. fought jeff plone and that was like we thought we were going to like have to fucking shut the thing down because like Eric Pam, like I think it started <laughs> off like they had kind of like some animosity going on at the time. And mm. then, no, sorry. It was Richard Pham. Sorry, Richard. Richard Pham and, and who what? And who was it? And Jeff Plone. And basically the two of them had some the boxer. Maybe the boxer yeah, guy. the boxer versus the boy. Yeah, right. And, or they both did kickboxing to some extent. And, but like, Richard was just that much more athletic at the time, right? And I don't know if they had a little animosity, but they were putting a little bit too much flavor on those punches, and it just heated up quick. <laughs> and, like, basically it was, like, round one was, like, whatever, but then round two and three, Richard just started pouring it on, and it just went boom. Like, like in Thailand, round one, oh. place your bets, round two, kill the guy. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. And then we had two other, uh, we had two females on the card. They were the first fight. And these two girls did not like each other. Mm -hmm. And we had modified rules for them. There was like a three minute round, only two rounds or something like that. Right. And literally the first, no, uh, yeah, it was, or no, it was just boxing. And so basically the first 30 seconds um, I, I don't remember her name anymore, but she came in with a right hook and just hit, locked her with, up with a fucking left hook coming across because she missed the right hook and she swung with the left and just clipped her. Just rocks this girl. She's like stumbling and we just started the night. We're like, oh my God, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> so like, all this is a uh, gym underground fights volume yeah. one. Oh. Oh my goodness. How the so hell all, did you guys get this approved? That's what I want to oh, know. So Alwyn jumps in to kind of like, hey, just like calm down, calm down, calm down. Like gives her like a standing like 10 count that turned into like an extra 30 seconds for her to like wake up because she was out. Like she was, she was standing up. Oh, like, she's out on her feet. Of, oh, yeah. And so she woke up and then they they, they went at it again and eventually <laughs> just came, went to a decision. Health. <laughs> oh my goodness. So and then, so then, um, so Daniel Kim and I were like the co-main event and mm-hmm. me and Daniel went at it. And so, you know, like, we're like at the beginning of the whole thing. We're like, okay, remember guys, we've got to work together. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't worry, you're a lot of fun, whatever. So we do the walkout songs, the whole deal. And like, everybody's all super nervous. I walk out and okay, we, we touch gloves, go out. I give him a front kick right to the gut, just kind of create some space, try and throw a punch. And then he just leg kicks the shit out of me, like, hard, right? Like, right in the thigh. Like, bam! Hey, asshole, this is supposed to be for charity. Stop hitting me so hard. Motherfucker, right? So we just start swinging. (laughs) So I start tying him up, and I just start throwing one on the floor and all that kind of stuff. He gets back up. We go going at it. We clinch again. And then I put him on the ground, and I end up in his guard. And he – he goes for the shitty arm bar. So he goes to the opposite side rather than the right side. So he goes mm-hmm. to the opposite side. And I know he's, it's wrong. And everybody's like, oh. And I'm like, keep going. Switch your hips. Switch your hips. He switches his hips. I throw the legs over. I step over his leg. I just start fucking pummeling on his head. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. And then. <laughs> I think you're just like hammer fisting him in the oh, video. Oh, dude, I hammer fist I come across. I go for Kimura. But I'm like. I don't want to finish it right there because, like, we just started, right? It's still round one. So mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, just keep going, whatever. And we go, and keep going. I take his back, and then I You're roll over. drag I him into deep water. Oh, I just drag him. And so eventually we kind of, like, roll up. And then round two starts, same thing. So, like, now I got my rhythm, and I know he's tired. So I'm starting to, like, 
find my rhythm, starting to tee off on them. And I did a takedown, like a trip takedown that I still watch to this day. And I'm like, I have no idea how I did it, but it just, it just worked out really well. Oh, yeah. And I've just, been trying yeah. to emulate it in training and I can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just something in your subconscious that like, you yeah, probably learned one day training that like you just, you pulled the rabbit out of the hat and you can't put no, the rabbit was, back in. I can't do it. It's like, I, I was a really good like trip up and I got him. And then I, again, but I remember one point where, cause again, when jujitsu guys learn, you always keep your head off the mat. That's what we always learn. Keep the head off the mat, unless you've got the guy in your guard, right? Mm-hmm. If you got the guy in your guard, keep your head on the mat. But when he, so his legs are up he's, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to stand up in his guard and his head's flat on the mat. And I come right up over the top and I just throw a right hand punch right in the face. And I hit him right in the nose and his head doesn't move off the mat. It's just like, Doosh. and I kind of oh, oh, like, go, oh. I go, I look over and I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I keep going. And then the third round, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to finish this quick. And I arm barred him. So. Mm. Yeah, no, that what's was your, fun though. What's Want to know, what's your, Aaron Gall? <laughs> what's your what's your views on gi versus no gi? I uh, see. I like gi because like it's just technical. Like there's a lot more technique. That, and again, where you look at it, like there's just I would so say, much more like, things. Well, I would say no gi. No gi. No gi's technical too. It's just different. Like it's it's different. Yeah, it's different. I think when you look at no gi, it's way more athletic. Yes, absolutely. I think you have to be a much better athlete as well. I say the main difference is if gi is a little bit, it's a little bit slower moving. Um, you have to think, it's a lot more like thinking man's jiu-jitsu. I'm not saying like no gi's not, you don't have to think either, but there's a lot more, okay, like this person has this grip and then they have this grip. You have to kind of, it's like you kind of have to unravel that puzzle a little bit more versus no gi, it's a lot more, you have to control, there's a lot more scrambling. It's a lot more faster pace and you need to be able to control scrambles in a way where you can predict what the person's next move is by scrambling before they even know what it is. So it's a lot more, it's a lot more athleticism based, but I think like, honestly, like the gi, no gi debate, like gi wise, like most things that you learn with a gi on, you can do no gi and most things that you do no gi, you can do with a gi on. The big thing is just grips. I think the big, like I found going from no gi to gi because I started doing no gi at first. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing that threw me off was grips. Somebody put me in spider guard and be like, what the hell is this? Like people are having my sleeves yeah. and like spinning around and they're like, they're grabbing my pants a lot. I think I see this with a lot of wrestlers too, that start jujitsu. They love no gi because they, you know, they can scramble they can like spin around and like they can use their wrestling mm-hmm. ability and their scrambling ability to stay ahead of people and their athleticism but then when you put a gi on them and you start grabbing grips they they don't like that because they they have that control that person has that control those control points on them so that's why i rate no gi that's why i rate gi over because i'm like people wear clothes people got jackets and clothes on so they're both they're both practical though like you go to the beach like you know i'm wearing i'm wearing a beater like (laughs) i'm wearing like I think if you're looking at it from like a self-defense purpose, like I think gi and no gi, they, they both have their, they both have their purposes. Like once, like once you said, like, um, like in the winter, like somebody throws a punch, you know, if they're wearing a jacket, you can use that yeah. jacket. And you can take advantage of that situation in the summer. Like, you know, people are wearing, you know, a white beater and board shorts. That's, that's no gi, right? It's all, it's, I don't know the way I see it. It's all jujitsu at the end of the day. You just have to know, okay, like what you're doing, can you translate that to, to gi? Can you translate that to no gi? But mm-hmm. I, I like, I like doing gi a little bit more, but like no gi I like as well. I just don't do it as often. God. Now, let me ask you this, Otis, just because as a, as an instructor, because like, this we're on the conversation of self-defense, when you look at like self-defense where a stand-up martial art so let's say muay thai taekwondo whatever you want to call it where they focus emphasis on obviously the stand-up portion of it right and but they never really address when somebody okay now close the distance and have they like or do they address it where this person is taking you down to the floor what are what should you be doing at that point um 
No, not with stand-up. Muay Thai. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. You know what? I shouldn't say that. Um, okay, say so Taekwondo, for instance, right? Sure. Taekwondo, Taekwondo is noted to be a, basically a kicking art. But that's the Olympic style. If you were to take Taekwondo, the traditional style, which is called Huarango, which is like a Kung Fu base, you'll be learning weapons, grappling. That's what the police force uses, right? Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. Taekwondo, is that people are not privy to that style of Taekwondo. Muay Thai, the same way. <laughs> they just think like a Korean cop's going to throw like a spinning roundhouse kick. And yeah, it's like, no. Like knock somebody out. But there's a lot more to it. Like, even with jujitsu, like, there's a lot more, like, in the, like, if you're looking at more, like, there's sport jujitsu, you can split it up into that. You can split that yes. up into self defense jujitsu, MMA jujitsu, what you learn with that. All three of those things are going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Every, every, every martial art has its groundwork. It's just that they emphasize more on other things and other things get more popularized. But like when I found out Taekwondo had um, swords and I'm like, what the hell is this? This is, I've never seen Taekwondo with swords, but then you learn there's another Swords, what the, sign me up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, even Muay Thai, um, they all have it, but um, um, karate has grappling. It's not as in-depth as a... Um, as a jujitsu, maybe as in Japanese jujitsu, but um, every style has their has their grappling technique, minimal okay. except boxing. Well, that's purely a stand-up sport. I think. So. I think also if you look at it, like a sport evolves like around the rules, right? So like in Muay Thai, like there's throws, like you can get a Muay Thai clinch and dump somebody, but you know you can't go to the ground and go arm lock them. That's against the rules. No, no. <laughs> Versus but, but in jiu-jitsu, that's like, highly encouraged. Well, like the police force and the security forces, right, they are also apt to groundwork, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. when people say certain arts don't have things, I'm like, mm, not really. You know what I mean? If you really check it. We've had this discussion with actually a lot of police officers. Like we had uh, Aaron's friend, uh, Matt, Matt Stewart on, who's, uh, who's a regular member of where, where he trains. He's a police officer. He trains at Toronto Police College. He's actually teaching a lot of the police officers jiu-jitsu there. I think the big thing is like, like just based on everything that's going on, like, do you think police officers should be learning jujitsu, judo, Muay Thai, boxing? Like what's, what's your opinion? What's your take on that? Um, yeah, they need to, they need to uh, most definitely. I've been in situations where it's like, man, should I knock this cop out? Because I know I can physically take them. So it's like, and then you got people that actually take the chance and go and go for it. Um, they definitely need, and not just basic training. They should be at a certain level of training sufficient that size all these is not up to for them. So when you look at like, um, like especially when we look at like whether it's defunding, because I, I don't know if a defunding the police thing is a good idea. I always look at possibly funding more so they're trained more often. Or train properly. Or train properly. <laughs> Let me tell you, right? there's, a lot like, of, there's a lot of takes on this. Listen, defunding, defunding is only emotion. That's emotional talk, right? Um, when, when, these, when these ones want to talk about defunding, all they have to really, it's not because they're upset about what's going on with the police. I say you put more of the same kind of people in the, in the same kind of um, neighborhoods and see what happens. But to defund them, no, because when these same people, when something happens to them, who are they calling? They're not calling fire. They're not calling ambulance. They're not calling Tim Hortons. They're calling the police. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make sense, right? Hello, so can, I get a, can I get a bacon and egg wrap? Uh, my, my, my friend just got a shot. Uh. Right? <laughs> so it's, um, it's always a tragedy till next on your front door. So there's a lot of emotion with this. But, um, yeah, I don't believe in defunding at all, personally. So if they, were, if they were being trained, let's say their 20% of their job was like training. So like de-escalations, routines, like call it nonviolent lethal force, all this. Do you think funds could be more useful in things, situations like that? Definitely. Um, used for that, used for um, socialization, like um, getting, getting – like, you know, one thing that was known about the police, which I don't agree with, um, they would take somebody from, like, say, Cornwall, Ontario, and bring them into Metro or into Brampton. And it's like, I understand the concept, but it doesn't really work. 
because there's a lot of preconceived notions from Cornwall to Metropolitan. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. Do they? They actually move like. Yeah, they they do that. It's kind of like a socialization thing, but it's um it doesn't really work. You need guys that have been around other cultures. You know, so you got you got you got a cop that's been around white guys, black guys, Indian guys. He kind of kind of knows everybody plays. But you take somebody. You also you also need I think somebody who knows the area too. Like you're not going to take another thing, right? A cop from Cornwall, we'll just throw him in the Gene and Finch, and we'll see what happens. It's probably not going to turn out well. Yeah, there's more of an understanding of how to deal with situations. You know what I mean? Like, even when I used to do security and used to bounce, it's like, um, you can you can kind of read your own. Then you can you can kind of get to know other races and you kind of kind of see what the norm is on how they act. And you kind of just move adjust accordingly. But um, to take somebody that's from a different city and alienate them, yeah, you get a lot of fear and you get a lot of, apprehension with things yeah i think you said it right there i think there a lot of the situations are there's a lot of fear and apprehension and you know people, yes. are, people are scared of, people are scared of what they don't know right and, that, and that's that's on like all sides i think that's everybody yeah, yeah. that's everybody right and um like there's a lot of disbelief and lack of trust so there's like they got so there's a lot of things that and when you say defunding there's got to be a lot of effort putting back and putting the trust back into the people right yeah, and I think that 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 requires more funds, not less. Doesn't make yet, doesn't make less funds. No. Yeah, that requires more. It's more about putting education behind it, more reform, whatever it needs. But yeah, it doesn't. You have to put pump money into those things to make it work. Yes, yeah. I think we're, we're we're tackling a very very multi layered complicated issue here. Like there's yes. a like I think it's just, I can't we. I, I don't think between all of us can't just go, okay, we're going to do this. That's going to fix everything. No, it's, it, there's a lot of layers and things that you got to tackle. Like there's a lot of like, you know, there's social programs that need funding. Like, you know, there, you need to, you know, build, build an economy in these places. You need to, you need to build education and like, like there's so mm-hmm. much that needs to be done. Like, yeah. I don't think there's like one simple answer. I think everybody wants the same thing but everybody's fighting about how to do it mm-hmm. when people should be getting together and going, okay, like here are my ideas. And instead of yelling and screaming at each other, because you don't agree with my ideas, why don't I listen to your ideas? Why don't we maybe yeah. collaborate with my ideas? And then maybe we'll try to get, make something happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see when emotion kicks in, all that goes out the door, right? It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so especially when you see like things like the NBA, um, even the NHL right now, where they've taken this whole, you know, really big stance as far as like social justice goes. NBA has been, I think Toronto and the Toronto Raptors really have been the major push out of all mm-hmm. the entire NBA teams, which is quite amazing. I thought it was mm-hmm. actually, so when you see stuff like that, do you, does that kind of make you feel good or like, we're in the right, moving in the right direction or yeah it's moving in the right direction like some of it like i don't know like okay like i, I don't know too much about like the like what you're saying with the nhl and stuff but like things like um what was it um aunt jemima and it's like they oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody 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 pushed them right but it's like they came out on their own and then it's like really so 130 years later, is now you realize it's racist. It's like, come on, man. So, <laughs> a lot of bullcrap. <laughs> a lot of bullcrap in the things, but like it's 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 better than what it is now. So there's movement, there's talk, there's dialogue, you know what I mean? So now is the time for people to get their feelings on on board and use some logic and get some changes made, right? That's the first step. Like people are talking about it. Now it's about okay, now. Do we, yes. how do, how do we make, how do we, we've like all these, all these bad things and horrible things have happened now. How do we make things better for tomorrow? I think, I, I think that's overall, I think what everybody needs to be working on versus yes. yelling at each other and like, this is my point of view. Fuck you. If you don't, if you don't agree with me or disagree with me or people got to work together. That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Why is it Brampton can't get their shit together? When it comes to COVID, Brampton is a very social place, right? 
Yeah, and Brampton, yeah, they're, they're, we tend not to follow the rules as much as. <laughs> well, clearly, I, I usually <laughs> ask what, most guests. I usually ask most guests, "What is the worst city in Ontario, and why is it Brampton?" Now, before you get mad, you know that I'm from Brampton as well. <laughs> so, yes, but, but yeah, like I, I know what you're yeah, saying. Brampton is more, but Brampton, I don't know. Everybody's a little more learn. So you know, they used to have a tracker. Right, so we would track like the, the Peel region, and basically would say Mississauga four, Caledon two, Brampton thirty-five. Right, like so, like basically they it was like that every day. And then so Bear, Mayor Brawny Comby or whatever her name is, so she used to post that on her Facebook, and then basically people would rip into Brampton every single day, saying tell you what. we need to. Oh, oh, tell you what. Oh, I love this. Hmm. Yes, you see, Brampton has a lot more testing going on. So when there's a lot more testing going on, oh. you're going to get a lot more cases. <laughs> <laughs> you see, if we didn't test, we wouldn't have all these cases. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to have, like, a serious response for a second. I'm yeah, like, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. I'm like, maybe there's something that I'm missing here. <laughs> yeah, no, I heard Donald Trump said that one. <laughs> so like, we'll just know, stop testing we're stop just going to stop testing and then we won't have cases as much as we are if you guys were testing then you get more results right for you guys they stopped that eh? report because people they stopped the report because people were getting mad at Brampton too much so there, it was all it's a political decision they totally stopped t- releasing that report yeah, it's a racist report. You can't be racist oh, against Brampton. <laughs> <laughs> hey, BLM, Brampton Lives Matter, okay? <laughs> I think that's going to be a shirt. <laughs> Brampton Lives Matter. Brampton Lives Matter. That's going to be a shirt. Oh, I'm, I'm wearing that. Oh, Otis, we're going we're gonna to get you a shirt that says that. <laughs> We'll get Aaron one too, even though he's from the, the mean streets of Mississauga, Ontario. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> where, where they apparently do a lot less testing yeah. and they don't have cases. <laughs> nah, man, I'm Credit Valley. I'm Div- Div- Division 11 right beside the police station. <laughs> okay, okay. Didn't Credit Valley have like some of the, like, the highest case counts at one point? Like there's like a massive outbreak. That's a hospital, though. That was like three. It was like three months ago. It was like COVID. There's a. I think there were a lot of people that were going there for. They did. Yeah, they did have an outbreak, right? But they. But you know what? Like, like anything. Like, especially now that the province has opened up, it's everything going to spike again, hundred percent. Like you know, I know they're going to have a spike of numbers, and then it's it's how you contain that. That's the biggest thing. If everybody just does whatever they want, we might as well just shut the doors again and it's going to go back to where we were. But as long as everybody kind of like, okay, don't go off the rails and just control the spike, we should. But again, kids are going to go back to school in September. Flu season's around the corner in October. So we don't know what's going to happen, right? And then our work eventually will open up and who knows what happens. It's going to be uh... (laughs) – Maximum capacity, 500 people, even though the max capacity is 50. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So uh, me and Aaron are actually, like, talking about uh, leadership, just, like, in general, like, in martial arts, um, you, you, you know, in, like, personal training and, like, where we work. Because, you know, if you think about it, like, we're, like, you know, Aaron's, Aaron's a manager, for those that don't know. Like, we're, we're employees, so um, – what do, what do you look for in management when it comes down to that? Like, and it, it doesn't have to necessarily- I wouldn't say management. I would say, what do you look for in leadership? In like, leadership. Okay, sorry. Leadership? Let, me, let me rephrase the question. What do you look for in leadership? Because if you think about it, like, you know, if, with our clients, like we're kind of leaders as well. Like if we're working like as personal trainers or like you know, any sort of like coaching or life coaching, like we're, we're leaders in, in that realm as well. So what do you, what do you look for for that? And when you're, well, you know what? It's just like with my martial arts. I, I would never and I have never trained with anybody who's never been a fighter. So what the hell are you going to tell me? So it's the same thing with a manager or a supervisor is that if they haven't done the groundwork, the grasswork, uh, grassroots, like me as a new employee coming in, if they haven't done that, they can't really understand what their corporate bachelor's and master's degree of how logistics should run. 
So I always like a leader that's been there, done that, knows exactly what the situation is, knows how to communicate and talk to. Just be down to earth. Just be natural. Especially, like, we're all humans, man. We're all human. We're all adults. So you talk to me like an adult. I talk to you like an adult. We'll make a little friendship. We'll make a little, um, a little relationship here. Pour a glass of and, wine. Um, make love by the fire. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> See where it goes. <laughs> yeah, don't be, um, don't be dictatorish. You know what I mean? Unless it's, you know, it's time to delegate always. But um, it's more communication on how you talk and how you move with fellow employees. That will make a good leader. Lead by example, too. You, if you can't do it, what the hell you do? You mentioned a couple things. Number one, like, I think you need to be relatable to people. So, like, you can have a million degrees, but if you don't know how to talk to people, then that's, yeah, I think that's going to be sense. an issue. I think we can all agree with that. Or you don't know how to relate to people, that's going to be an issue. I think number yes. two, I think the big thing you also mentioned is communication. So, yes. you have to be able to communicate with people. It's kind of like the two parts of this. You have to know how to communicate with people, but you also can't just not communicate with people either. Like Aaron, what, what do you look for in leadership when it comes to, you've been, you've been on both sides of this. You've been a lead, you, you know, you've been a leader. You've been, you, you kind of had worn multiple hats in your, uh, in your multiple careers that you've had. Like, what do you look for in like leadership? And it doesn't have to necessarily be like, uh, where, where we've been working recently, but it could be like, you know, years ago, like back in the days when you're a mechanic and, you know, greasing up cars and such. Yeah. Um, I think it's like, like anything. I mean, I've, again, you said I've been on the end of both ends. Um, the biggest thing when you look at a leader is how you have to be able to communicate and connect with people differently. Excuse me because one second. Otis oh, oh, yeah. just turned into a plant. Oh, oh, hold on a second. He just he just turned into a plant. It was magic. Yeah, he just stepped away. Oh wait, he stepped away. Hey, he was like, like he was, he was like, rapid. I, I, I'm right here. Shit. <laughs> I'm not listening to Eric. I, I have to excuse me. He was on. He was on his iPad earlier, not listening to me for like five minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Okay, go on, Aaron. I'm sorry. Instagram if he wants. <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll leave this in. We'll leave this dead air in. Yeah, this dead air. Yeah, this fucking, fucking guy. No, um, lost my train of thought. I'll wait till Otis is back. <laughs> what do you What do you look for in like leadership? What do I look for? What, or what do you try to instill in people like with like your leadership skills? Yes, yeah. I think you've learned and picked up over the last few years. Okay, so I'll re restart. So the biggest thing when I look at leadership, everybody needs to be led differently. Not everybody is led one way. So leaders have to be very um, fluid. But yeah. They also have to be- People, people have different personalities, right? Like exactly. it, one approach right? is to work for everybody. Exactly. So leadership comes with the investment that you need to take ownership in what and your ownership for people, basically. So I have to take an ownership and everybody I'm uh, responsible for. So if it, my team is 40, I'm responsible and I take ownership for 40 people. If I, and I lead by example for my 40 people, right? It's, you can't be a talker and not a doer. Now there's a difference between doing everything and doing like like leading by example there's a difference right yes. so there's delegation and all that kind of stuff but that's like the management part that's people management right but when we talk about being a leader and how to communicate the message that works for everybody and again the way i communicate with michael might be completely different the way i communicate with Otis, right which and as i've had an opportunity to coach both of you guys it is completely different Right, mm -hmm. like we have Mike. Go fucking do this. <laughs> oh, we have Otis. completely different conversations. How you doing? Right? I'm scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be fluid. You have to take ownership for your people and ownership on what you can do for them, and then you have to speak the truth and back that up. And that's the biggest mm -hmm. thing, and being able to communicate and be honest with your people on what. If, whether they they did something right or did they say something wrong and how do they get better from that? That's mm. the biggest thing, right? Because you can't bullshit somebody and it's not going to be, 
like I look at a basketball coach, right? Just because I've been watching basketball recently, right? A great mm. coach is not going to go, hey, that was a really good – you're doing so well. No, it's like, listen, you suck. I'm benching you because you're not doing what I need you to do. And then we can, we can learn from that. Right. But it's like, mm. I like, it's that next man up mentality type thing. But it's like these coaches have, they, they lead, for example, because they make the tough decisions, but they know their people the best because they know who's going to be the most effective in each situation. Right. Mm. And if that person, I'm going to give that person all the benefit of a doubt to get the job done. But if they can't, then okay, I need to pull that person back, coach them what's going to be appropriate for them and what the situation and putting them in a spot where they're going to succeed rather than putting them in a spot they're going to fail. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I Does agree. that make sense? Yeah. Like you got to know your team. You have to know. I think another big thing that uh, I think there's, I think like there's like a base of like a pyramid. You got to build that. Like you, you got to be able to, well, number one, if you're a leader, you got to be able to, to trust like who you're working with. Mm -hmm. Like tr trust is huge. Cause like, if you don't have trust, you, you can't do any of that. Like if I don't trust Aaron, for example, and he tells me to do yeah. something, I'm going to be thinking like, okay, well, why is he, why is he making me do this? Is he, is he setting me up? Is he screwing me over? Well, and then, and that, that, that's me as a leader, right? So if yeah. I haven't built that trust, for you, and like, again, it comes down to telling you the truth, you know, having communication with you, putting you in the best spots possible, being honest with you and, and like building that environment. That's yeah. my failure as a leader. I haven't done that. Yeah. And if I it's haven't about, done that it, for you, I can't, you can't create trust. Yeah. It's not about being, being nice with people. I think it's about being honest with them. Like you're not being mean or anything like, you know what? Like, I think we work in, a, in a, an adult don't environment. Nice. I think you need to be able to, yeah, don't be nice. Yeah. You, you, you need to be able to, you know, take some criticism and be like, Hey, but it, as long as it's coming from a good place, like, you know, Hey Otis, you know, if I'm just like, Hey Otis, you're ugly. Like that doesn't hey. help him become a better, hey, better listen. what he does. But if I'm like, Hey Otis, I noticed you're doing this. Why don't you try this or that? And then you'd be like, listen, Aaron knows no matter what team they try to put me on, I always say, Aaron, put me on your team because there's no disrespect to any other supervisor out there, but Aaron just knows the right words. Like, what the, what the hell are you doing? What, what kind of numbers are these? Understand? And it's like, because I have a respect for Aaron too, because he's the one who hired me. I'm like, you know what? I can't let Aaron down. I can't let myself down because all he's really trying to do is put more money in my pocket. So let me take what he's saying and do what he's saying by process. And guess what? You level up. That's right. You level you up. You know what happens on Aaron's team? You level up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be another shirt, actually. You notice the numbers are higher? <laughs> just be like, just say Aaron, and then it'll just be like, level up right there. Just an arrow pointing up. That's the shirt. Boom. Up that way, man. As well as uh, Brampton Lives Matter. <laughs> yeah, BLM. BLM, Brampton Lives Matter. Oh, Excuse man. me one second again. Excuse me one second what again. What the guys. fuck, man? We're on a podcast. You just turned into a plant. <laughs> this is why we don't do these things live. I hope you leave all this in. Yeah, I'll leave it. <laughs> leave it. This is why we don't do these live. We'll, um, I don't know, we'll, we'll ask him a couple more questions and then we'll wrap her up. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Hold on, I got to go make a sandwich. I'll be back. Yeah, you, you're cooking a sandwich or you're getting your, you're making patty over there or what? Whoa, 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 Aaron. Whoa. How do you, do, why do you, why do you assume that? I just asked a question. <laughs> No, I'm on a low battery. I have to get my charger. <laughs> oh, your phone's dying. Okay, okay, we're we're. I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up. The first up. time I have to use the washroom, so I'm back. No, 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 no worries. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's what we've been talking about with like just like being a leader and like how to how to lead people in leadership. I think it's an important discussion. I think it's a lot of times it's very overlooked. I think a lot of times if you look at companies, like they'll have certain expectations or things that they want to push but that's maybe not necessarily what may be best for like maybe that particular employee, for example, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, I was saying I was uh, leadership has to be tailored to the individual. Absolutely. I agree with that hundred percent. Like you can't, 
you can't lead everybody the same way. Like I'm not going to manage Otis the way I would manage Aaron. I'm not going to manage Aaron the way I would manage somebody else. Because everybody, and also you have to look at like, okay, like what are people's goals? Like what are people's life goals? Some of them may not necessarily involve what you're trying to push onto them and you shouldn't push, you shouldn't push like your beliefs or what you're trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. on, onto that person. Cause that may not necessarily be what they want either. Exactly. Exactly. Agree. But I think a big thing as well is I think communication is important. And I think, you know, if you're not, if you're not communicating with people and you're not communicating with people the right way, it's going to rub people the wrong way, especially. And sometimes, you know what, like, it, it sometimes it's not sometimes what you say it's sometimes what you don't say so if you're not communicating mm-hmm. with people you know week after week month after month that's going to rub people the wrong way it's true it's true it's true yes Aaron, Aaron's like this I'm good he'll still check you be like everything okay you need me let me know blah, blah, blah. okay I'm out of here so even though he's checking everything's good it's nice to check in it's nice sometimes that's all it takes man like um I'll be honest with you. When I used to work in the shop, and this is, mm-hmm. fuck, I'm gonna go back maybe like 2010, 2009, whatever, right? I mean, like it was just kind of a mm-hmm. shitty job. Like I, I, I got, I learned a lot of stuff from it. But one thing it was, again, it was working with people, right? Guys who were much older than me. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember one of my mechanics. Basically, he, my mom came in to get her car worked on, whatever, and I had to go on a road trip, a road um, test ride with somebody else and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the mechanic was talking to my mom, and my mom, they were just chatting, and the mechanic goes, Eduardo goes at the time, he's like, you know, Aaron is the only one who walks into the shop every morning and says hi, good morning to every single mechanic, and mm-hmm. then he goes to do all his work first. But he walks in, he makes sure he says good morning to everybody, checks on us all, yeah. and then he goes to work. And it was like that one of those things. And, that, and, that, and that, that's a big thing, man, where it's, it's not a lot. Where, but it's, it's like, I, and I do it, sub, I don't even do it that on purpose. It's just a subconscious thing. I just do it. And that's why I always make sure, like, when I walk in every day, it's like, I just say good morning, everybody, right? I don't talk about business. I say good morning. How you doing? Blah blah blah. Then I go about morning, my day. How you doing? Where's your where's my fucking resigns? <laughs> no, no, that's later. That's later. <laughs> later. That's later. <laughs> good morning, Otis. Good morning, Mike. Get the fuck out of my office. Get off my computer. Well, yeah. It's basically it's when I get into my office and Mike's on my office. I'm always my office. The running gag is pretty much every time Aaron shows up to work, I usually beat him into his office and I'm doing something. That's usually not productive. Yeah, well, you're not gonna be able to do that shit with your COVID when we go back. So you better wipe that shit down when you're done. I'm gonna yeah, cough on that. every second letter on that keyboard, and we'll take a chance from there. Yeah, fuck. I'm worried about my fucking office being ransacked while I was gone. I don't even know what's in there anymore. <laughs> like I honestly, I left, and I have no idea what's in there. All I know is my timers in there, my my mitts are in there. Um, and like some miscellaneous stuff and I, and my glasses, mm-hmm. that's it. I have no other idea what else is in there. Cause I haven't been there since March. I think I have a couple of geese and a band in there. It's very possible. It's like, very po- I, just, I don't even know. I haven't been in there since like February. So yeah. like, honestly, it's like, I, I remember packing my bag and I was like, I'll take a day off. Mm-hmm. I'll see you guys next. I'll see you uh, tomorrow or something like that. And then we were shut down. So I have no idea what's in there. Oh. <laughs> and I, uh, I've changed my tune. As uh, I think Otis has seen me long enough where I've changed my tune from years to come as far as like my way my emotions go. But mm-hmm. bit by bit, day by day, I'm getting better. I am trying. <laughs> but again, if I wasn't trying. It's your, then, it's your fiery Irish temper that you must try to control. Yeah, sure. And your and, <laughs> and and your alcoholism, but go on. No, I don't even drink that much anymore. <laughs> I gave that up. <laughs> but yeah, I think we had a good discussion tonight. Um, oh, Mr. Henry, thank you yes. for coming on and uh, and uh, gracing us with your with your presence tonight and uh, coming on chatting with us tonight. 
Thank you very much. Appreciate, uh, appreciate it. Hopefully we get to see you in person soon and we get to, you know, actually record maybe a follow-up to this again. In person. Here, in person. In person. We should be crazy. I might be wearing one of these when I, uh, when I see in person, but I'll be, uh, hopefully we get to see each other in person very soon. Um, in Jamaica, listen, when, when our eyes make four. When our eyes make four. Yes, your two eyes and my two eyes. <laughs> Mr. Henry, is there anything you'd like to say before we close this podcast out for today? Um, everybody just keep on doing what you're doing. Um, I hope this time away is kind of um open up everybody's eyes to what's really the eyes on the prize, you know what I'm saying? Um, there's bigger fish to fry more than the everyday hustle, family friends you know money's not all so there's a lot of things that i hope people have realized and took the time to pause and check themselves right and moving forward they move forward with a more positive and a more conscientious attitude rock on i think we're going right. that they could yeah, not have we'll end with that. better otis my man thank you so much brother appreciate yes, everything yes. you do appreciate you all the best and we'll see you soon all right I don't get sick.